For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by SocialMediaExaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm very excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Jeannie Dietrich, and we're going to explore how to manage a social media crisis. Said another way, what do you do when someone in your company makes a public mistake? We're going to be walking through that in detail today, and I think you're going to find that awesome. I also have a really, really cool new discovery that I'm going to share with you right now. After mediating a crocodile family dispute, look at what Michael Stelzner discovered. I use an iPhone and, um, you know, I'm on a Mac. And one of the big challenges that I have is synchronizing all of my calendars across Google Calendar. For example, my assistant, you know, wants to know what's going on in my life and I would love to have everything synchronized. And I started doing some searching and, you know, I, I found this really awesome calendar and it does some amazing things. It's called Sunrise Calendar. And it's free, and I know it works on the iPad, and I know it works on the iPhone, and I think it's also available for the Android. Now, what's really cool about this is it integrates with your social media and all your other networks. It integrates with Google, so you can get your Google calendars there. It integrates with Exchange. And one of the cool features of this is it integrates with Facebook. And what you can do is you can say, go ahead and show me, for example, in the evening, all of my friends on Facebook that have a birthday coming up and all of a sudden I open this little app up and I can set up a notification. I can see everyone who has a birthday. I click on the pictures, up comes all their photographs and I can literally post a message on their timeline or send them a text message directly from within this app. What's also cool about it is it automatically shows me what the weather's going to be like. All that synchronizes into it. In addition, uh, it synchronizes with iCloud, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So I'm just beginning to explore all the capabilities of this thing, but it's frankly blown me away the way the, way the thing works and the, the fact that it's really got an awesome interface. Um, I'm loving it, and I'm definitely using it from now on to replace the calendar that comes standard on the iPhone. So check it out. Um, you can check it out by visiting sunrise.am or by searching for Sunrise Calendar. I think it's spectacular, and I know, like I said, I'm just tapping the, the full capabilities of this thing. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Okay, with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Jeannie Dietrich. 
Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Jeannie Dietrich. If you don't know who Jeannie is, she's author of the book, the brand new book, Spin Sucks, and she's also the founder of a blog by the very same name, and she also runs a great PR agency called Arment Dietrich. Jeannie, welcome to the show. Mike, I'm so excited to have you to myself for a half an hour. (laughs) Well, today Jeannie and I are going to explore how to handle a social media crisis. And said another way, we're going to examine how to respond when someone in your company does something that turns into a PR crisis. (laughs) And, you know, you may not have had a crisis, but chances are pretty good someday you might have to deal with this. So um, let's start, Jeannie, with a story. You write in your book about Applebee's and and a challenge that they had. So kind of lay out the story for us a little bit. You may remember, it's probably been two years ago now, that a waitress um, at Applebee's, at a St. Louis Applebee's actually, had <clears throat> sent her the check um, or had left the check at a table and they had included 18% gratuity automatically because the, the party was larger than six people. Well, the person crossed off the 18% gratuity and wrote, I only give the Lord 10%, why should you get more? And left her a 10% tip. The waitress's friend took a picture of the receipt, which included the uh, customer's name, Mm. and posted it on Reddit. And of course, from there, as you well know, Reddit goes, anything on Reddit goes out of control. And it did. It went out of control. It went viral, and the whole world saw it. So Applebee's came back, and they said, um, we're going to fire both the waitress and the the friend who um, posted this on Reddit. Yeah, Because we don't... Our, it's against our policy to <laughs> to talk or to show pictures or talk about our guests, particularly when their name is is included. And so they fired both both women and then posted on Facebook the very canned PR response that said, "This is what we've done, and that's the end of the story." Well, of course, people on the internet don't usually take stuff to, too kindly to stuff like that, and so. They started digging in to find that the very same location had actually, in fact, posted a good comment on on their Facebook page that included the customer's name, and nobody got fired for that. But the, you know, Applebee's is claiming that the policy is we fire people for including the customer's name. So they've dug up all this information. You know, the internet is never wrong and and dug up all this information to find that Applebee's was being hypocritical. And they started a Facebook page, you know, to get the the server hired back and it became this, this huge ordeal. But where it went really, really wrong, and I don't know this, this is just based on my gut and my experience, but my instinct tells me that the person who was handling the corporate Facebook account for Applebee's went out on a Friday night, had a few drinks, came back at 2 o'clock in the morning and found all these angry people saying horrible things about Applebee's on Facebook. And she ha- he or she had a canned message and they just kept copying and pasting that message over and over and over again to all the commenters. Now, What was the gist of the message? Do you know? It was, you know, this is our policy. We're sorry you don't agree. Mm. It, I mean, it wasn't anything. And it literally was a canned PR message. And you know, I mean, you are in the social media world. Taking a canned message like that and responding to every single critic with that same message, it doesn't work. It just added fuel to the fire, didn't it? It, it did. Well, then the person gets, gets really defensive. And it's the middle of the night, which is why I'm convinced that the person had been out drinking. And it it just kept like antagonizing these people and it just, it got worse and worse and worse. By Saturday morning, it had created this whole 
huge crisis, a whole different fireball that, that really didn't need to be there. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. So, so the gist of the story is that a upset customer um, writes something on the receipt, probably because the customer didn't feel like he or she got good service is my, my inclination. We don't know probably, for sure. Yeah, probably. You know, and, and one of the servers said, that's a bunch of baloney. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and get that person back and put, and took a picture of it and posted it up. And I'm sure both these servers were collaborating because, you know, the, the other woman that was the recipient of that message could have said, no, don't get me fired. You know what I mean? But instead they right. did that. The internet went nuts and I'm sure it stirred up you know, lots of interest in controversy, right? And and then, you know, you got people now all of a sudden that don't like not only this person, but maybe Applebee's in general. And right, you got the right. haters out there who are right, right. here's I always knew Applebee's sucks and here's more right. proof, right? <laughs> you know, so 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 kind of let's break down a little bit like, you know, um what went wrong here? What could Applebee's have done differently? What's your thoughts on this? There's a few things they could have done differently. One, you never want to, and we experience this too, you never want to have a canned PR message for social media because the whole idea there is that it's social. And, you know, as marketers, we talk about things like engagement and transparency and being human. And I know that there are buzzwords that we all get sick of, but it's true. You want to be social. You want to be human. You want to present the organization in a way that shows some sympathy and empathy to what's happening. And when you have a canned message that goes through six layers of approvals and that's the only thing you can say, you become this strict, sorted, you know, organization that has no personality and no empathy and no sympathy. And those are the kinds of organizations that people don't want to do business with. And, you know, I think also what's at play here is the fact that, um, you know, um, Perhaps both of these people, you know, the termination of these two um, employees spawned, you know, uh, and, and, and then maybe the statement from the company should have been thought out a little bit more, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, because that might not have prompted people to dig a little more and find every circumstance where there's a happy customer who gave a testimonial and say, hypocrite, hypocrite, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, and, and then, of course, you know, how did, did the thing ever die down? I mean, do you know what ended up happening as a result of this crazy commenting um, or did it just kind of eventually fade away? It did eventually fade away. I think that in the social world, we have very short attention spans and everybody went on to something else. Uh, what I don't know is whether or not it actually hurts sales. Um, you know, there's examples like with Kenneth Cole when he tweeted during the, the Cairo uh, protests, his stock prices were affected by that. So you, you can look at crisis um, online that, that do affect your stock price or do affect your sales. So let's, let's, let's step back for a second. You know, now that, now that we've got the Applebee's story a little bit, you know, not everyone listening obviously is, is Applebee's or has got these kind of difficult circumstances where there's generally unhappy customers every once in a while because of the nature of their business. But, um, Let's say that um, someone listening right now, let's kind of walk through this a little bit. They become aware of an issue. You know, um, what's the first thing that somebody ought to do once they realize that something bad has happened, perhaps with one of their employees? What's the first line of defense? The very first thing is to really understand what happened. Um, And the, the key to this is communication. So reaching out, figuring out what the situation is listening to both sides of the story. So in this case, they should listen to the side of, of the customer. They, sh- they should call the customer and find out you know, what happened. They should listen to the side of, of both servers. And then they should go back and say, okay, based on this information, 
what do we think should happen? We have a policy that says this, but it doesn't apply to the good comments. It only applies to the negative ones. Um, so we have to think this all the way through. And I think that's where organizations fall short is we are so it's such an instant gratification, fast-paced, 24-7 world that we tend to react and we have these uh, knee-jerk reactions where we don't think it all the way through. And so when you do that, that's when you start to get in tr into trouble and then you start spinning your wheels and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It's totally fine to take a step back and say, okay, what's happening here? What's our plan? What's the strategy? And then moving forward. So... You know, if this happens to, you know, one of your clients, do you recommend at the very least acknowledging that you've been, we've been made aware of the search situation and we're looking into it? Absolutely. Okay. So that's yes. the first line of defense is to yep. acknowledge that you now know that there's something going on and we're looking into it rather than doing nothing, right? Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's the key. To, I mean, part of crisis or issues management is communication. So if you continue to say, okay, we're aware of the situation, we're looking into it. We're, and if, if you're continuing and it's taking longer, you know, 24 hours or 48 hours, continue to say, we're still investigating this. We mm. will come back to you when we have, you know, so continue to communicate what's happening. And at some point, there may even be attorneys involved where you're not allowed to communicate. And we actually just had a situation like that where we had to say, counsel has been retained, so we can't say anything. Mm. So that was the public statement, actually, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, let's talk about responsiveness and how, you know, we hear from a lot of our friends in the social media world that we live in a real time environment and that mm -hmm. we need to be mm -hmm. nimble and extremely mm -hmm. responsive. But, you know, when these things happen, what is a reasonable amount of time to respond to a crisis, you know, um, initially and then after you've done your investigation? I mean, you know, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I People will argue with me, but, you know, I would say less than 24 hours. You can't let it go a whole day. Um, if it happens during the day, you definitely want to respond during work hours. If it happens, you know, after work hours or over overnight, you want to make sure that you're responding within the next work days, work hours. And it, and it may very well just be, we've just learned of the situation we're investigating. And now here's the next step and here's where we are on the third step. You know, communicating those steps along the way. I guess the worst case situation is when it happens on a Friday night, right? Right, of course. And yeah. then it just kind of becomes into this big thing over the weekend, right? Because, you know, staff or whatever aren't, aren't available. Yeah, but I also think that, especially if your job is social or community management, you're monitoring that stuff anyway, um, or you should be, or you have a team of people that are doing it. You know, we have people that, that do that constantly, and we take turns on the weekends. So there's always somebody watching it. Okay, one question that I'm sure is going through some people's mind, at what point do you keep it contained versus acknowledge it? Because sometimes acknowledging it makes it bigger. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because like sometimes, sometimes some random blogger has written something, but the world doesn't know about it yet. Sure. In that case, does it make sense to go out and make a public statement? I mean, or does it, no. you know, no, so no, let's no, talk no. through that a little bit. How do you know when to make the public statement and when not to? Usually you have... <laughs> There's a there's a turning point. So if it's a random blogger, of course you want to approach the blogger. We actually we have a former client who this happened with that this blogger kept saying really negative things about her about them, but she had like 300 Twitter followers and I I think her Alexa score was it was really low and they were getting really upset about it. And I finally said to them, you guys, why are we getting upset about this? She doesn't have any 
she doesn't have a voice. So what they did is they called the blogger and they invited her into the organization to do a tour and understand what it is that the business does. And she turned them down and continues to write negative things, but nobody's reading it. So when you have that, I think you have to just keep a cool head and say, okay, is this something that could explode or not? You know, when somebody has 300 Twitter followers and five blog readers, it's not going to explode. But you want to keep an eye on it to make sure it doesn't. In Applebee's situation, I mean, that just went out of control. So at that point, yeah, the corporate, corporate offices have to get involved, and they, there has to be a public statement, and the communication has to be frequent. Okay, so once you've finished your investigation and you know the circumstances, what's the next thing that you should be doing? You know, um, because this is where you can make mistakes, right? I mean, it, it, you know, like you've acknowledged that there's a, there, that you're investigating this issue and now it's time for you to make some sort of statement. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend? How do you recommend, you know, businesses go and every circumstance is different, but what are some general tips that you might give? You always want to be honest about it. Um, and, and in some cases, you know, if there are attorneys involved, then you have to say, I mean, there, there are going to be situations where you can't say what's happening. And you have to say, counsel has been retained because of that. For legal reasons, we can't talk about the decision that's been made. But here's what we're going to do. And you provide one, you know, two or three solutions that get, gets everybody past the, the social media mob mentality. Um, give, me an exa- give me an example of like, if the attorneys <laughs> have been retained, you know, what can you reveal to at least try to put a little bit of a slow down on this on the situation you usually can't reveal much but you can say things like you know as we continue to go through this process we'll keep you updated and and stick true to that that word because people are usually pretty understanding you know when you say that and you when you're as long as you continue to communicate buffer is a really good example of this they had a big um i can't even remember what the situation was it was about a year ago and like tweets had gone out from accounts that shouldn't have or something big happened and it happened over the weekend. They sent an email. They said, something's happened. We're, we think we've been hacked. We're not entirely sure. Here's here's what we're going to do. We're investigating. We're looking into this. I mean, they followed Crisis 101 perfectly. Then they sent another email saying, yes, indeed, we have been hacked. Um, there's a, a big problem and some, some privacy issues. We've retained counsel on this. So some of this we're not, able to, we're not able to communicate, but we'll continue to keep you updated. And then a third email on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, so this is happening over the weekend, was, okay, some of you have, if, if you're receiving this email, your privacy has been breached. Here's what we expect you to do. And they walked you through a process of changing things. So um, they didn't communicate externally, publicly, if, 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 because if everybody to. wasn't affected, yeah, yeah, but they did with the people who were. Mm. Well, talk to me a little bit about communication channels. Um, you mentioned email, obviously, and that makes sense. But uh, you know, what social channels are appropriate? I've seen some people make videos and put them up on YouTube. I've seen people post updates on Twitter. Do you recommend across the board, or what are your thoughts? We always recommend doing it in the social network where the crisis is happening. Um, so for Applebee's in that situation, Facebook was perfect for them. Um, Domino's when they had the big issue, gosh, in 2008, I think it was when the employees videotaped themselves sneezing and spitting into food, um, and posting it on YouTube, the CEO then created a video and posted that on YouTube. The franchise owner created a video and posted that on YouTube. So we always recommend it happen in the social network where the crisis is happening. Um, 
Gotcha. Now, one of the things that you said um, that we need to do when we acknowledge that something went wrong is to, I guess, I mean, I don't know if you said this, but I'm thinking this, take ownership for it, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, talk about that a little bit. How can, what kind of statements should we make to help make it clear that we're owning this, even though it may not be us that did it? You know, I think there are things that you can say, like, um, we're, we understand there's, there's, a, there's an issue. I'm the leader of this organization. Here's what I'm personally going to do. Mm. Um, there was a, just a situation where a blog had been um, scraping content from big bloggers, <laughs> and they thought that it was okay because they had put at the bottom, this originally appeared on XX blog. Right. And so, yeah, some big bloggers were like, you know, we, we're willing to share some content and help you aggregate some content, but you, that, that doesn't get you around not asking for permission. And the apparently it was an intern who had done it, and they didn't know any better, which you understand. I mean, those things happen. But the CEO came out on her blog, and on the blog, and she wrote the letter. And she said, look, this is my organization. I lead, I lead the organization. Even though it wasn't me who did this. I take responsibility for it. And here's what we're doing to fix it. And she was very honest. She was very sympathetic and she fixed it. What are some of the mistakes that, what are some of the common mistakes that you see happening over and over again when, when, when crisis, when some of these crises go viral and they just keep getting worse? I mean, because I'm sure that many people that are listening right now might just fall into some defensive instincts. You yep. know? That's exactly the big, the biggest mistake. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Like, what are some of these mistakes and, and how do we maybe, you know, circumvent them? People tend to get defensive. And that's exactly where this the situations go out of control. Because when you take it personally or you get defensive, your cool head cannot prevail. You have, you have to be able to take a step back. And I always joke that you should have a communications professional on speed dial, even if you don't have someone on your team or a firm. Because... We're the ones that can take a step back and, and look at it from a bigger picture and say, okay, well, wait a second. You know, what happened here? Why did it happen? Is it, should this really have happened because the product or service is terrible and, you know, you didn't, your customer service was bad or whatever it happens to be? Um, should this have happened? And then how do we communicate it going forward? So, um, that's that's the biggest mistake that people make is they get really defensive and then they start to spin their wheels because they're upset and they're emotional and they're angry and they're not looking at it strategically at all. Well, what about when they just don't do anything like in the case of United Breaks Guitars or at least they don't – it seems like they don't do anything. And I guess this this is kind of hearkening on an interesting question because sometimes the story that is told you know, is a fable or it's not, right. it's not sure. the whole story. And for whatever reason, you know how this works. Um, people will see a story on a big site and they'll just basically add their two cents to it. And yep. it's like the telephone game. Yep. And before you yep. know it, it's not even the original story. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, does it make sense for the organization to clarify that that's not a story or to let it go? I mean, it's, it's complicated, right? It is complicated. And a great example of that is Chrysler. You know, a couple of years ago when from their corporate account, somebody tweeted the F-bomb and they fired the agency for that. And everybody in the social media world was up in arms about it. I even blogged about it because I thought it was really horrible that you would fire somebody over a mistake like that, that clearly the person was thinking they were tweeting from their personal account and sent it from the Chrysler account instead. Um, and the communications director from Chrysler sent me a personal email and said, hey, I'd really appreciate it if you stopped using us as a, as a poor example on your blog because you don't have the full story. And unfortunately, we can't talk about what it was, but you should know 
that the agency made other mistakes, bigger mistakes, and this was sort of the last straw. So there are going to be situations where because of counsel or because of your policies or because of, you know, some reason that you can't give the full story. If you can, we always recommend it because that's when you're not able to tell the full, your side of the story, that's when the, the wheels start turning. Uh, does it, okay, uh, you know how this works, right? Um, a lot of times people start getting really nasty and they start, they start, um, you know, creating blog posts that are really pretty bad. Yep. Uh, does it ever yep. make sense to kind of get in the dog cage with these people? Do you understand what I'm saying? Or does it, is it best to just, <clears throat> is it best just to keep communications on your own turf? Because I've seen this happen so many times with so many of our friends where somebody writes a, a critical or a very negative blog post about something and it, it turns into a, a, a match, you know, and right, a, a never right. ending my people versus <laughs> right. their people, right. you know, in the blog comment section. Yes, yes. Uh, we always recommend that you comment and mm-hmm. then let it be. Um, you know, tell your side of the story, have your comments, but don't get in into that debate because you're not going to win. You just won't win. So do go to their site and do leave a comment? Yeah, or, absolutely. Okay. And then maybe cross-reference the full story somewhere else that you might yep. have posted or something like yep. that? Yep. And then just let it go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of have to because otherwise you're just adding fuel to the fire. Mm, very interesting. Um, okay, so... A lot of people that are listening right now are like, okay, if somebody on my team did something crazy or one of my mm-hmm. contractors or, you know, an agency or something did something crazy, I have no plan in place to, to, you know, I have no, you know, I have nothing. I, I don't know how to deal with it and I don't want to get stuck, you know, with a, with a, with a PR crisis because I don't have a plan. So let's start by just talking about like, what are the basic things that anybody who's listening right now needs to have in place so that they're ready when the crap hits the fan? <laughs> You know, I think it's it, you don't really need to have a plan in place, but you do have to practice humility hmm. and non-defensiveness. I don't know if that's a word, but not being defensive. Um, I'm sorry are two words in the English language that work extremely well if you meet, if you say it and mean it. So right. if you say, I'm sorry, but, you've just negated your I'm sorry. Hmm. If you say, I'm sorry, and here's what we're going to do to fix it. It works brilliantly, brilliantly. Or how can I make it right for you, right? Yes, absolutely. So if you think about it from that perspective and, and always think about, you know, how do we approach this so that we listen and we learn and we can apologize and we can move forward versus, oh my gosh, we have to have a plan in place and what happens if this, you know, we have a rogue employee. I mean, you're going to, you're going to have stuff that happens. You are. I, it, it just happens. So you just have to, I think it's, it's less about having a plan that you follow and more about how to, how to be a human being and know how to apologize and mean it. When do you call on the Calvary? And you know what I mean, right? Like, let's just say things are getting nasty and you happen to have some friends in high places, <laughs> you know, who can maybe help you by coming to your defense or your aid. Sure. Does it ever make sense to do something like that? Yes. <laughs> You know, because I mean, I'll be honest, you know, we've been in situations which you may or may not be aware of, like we did this social media song and we got unbelievably negative response, you know, and it was seen almost 500,000 times. And, you know, it was something we did for fun at Social Media Marketing World, but the world interpreted it differently. And um, our stance was um, because it was entertainment um, uh, and because we didn't really do anything wrong, that we were just going to go ahead and and ride it out and not and not engage with these people. And, um, 
I was very tempted many times to call in favors from some of my friends that were at the conference that, you know, could come to my, my assistance. But I resisted that because in this particular circumstance, I just knew it wasn't the right thing to do because all it was going to do is going to create a war. But sometimes it does make sense to call in um, friends to maybe tell a different side of the story. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, first, your instinct was absolutely right on that. Um, I would have 100% recommended exactly what you just said. So your instinct was was totally right on that. Cool. Um, where you want to call in friends is when things are happening that are libel or it's defamation um, or extortion. Um, and it looks like, you know, people are saying untruths or, you know, like you said, they're taking something in. It's the telephone game where it's completely blown out of proportion and it's not the story. Mm. So you can definitely call in help in those situations. You also want to make sure that when you know, people are, are spreading untruths and, you know, flat out lies or, you know, saying negative things about you that are harmful to, the, to your reputation, to the organization's reputation or yours, that you have counsel, at least review it because that kind of stuff is, is liable and can be pretty hard from a legal perspective. So that does bring up a good question. So when should you bring in an attorney? I mean, I guess when, when, when someone is, I mean, you know, when do you draw the line and when do you, when do you bring in an attorney? I mean, like what's the litmus test, you know, with your clients? Really it's if there's, you know, if they're on, <laughs> we, we had a situation where a former client was just tweeting terrible things about us hmm. nonstop to his 1500 followers. And it, it, beca- it came to be, it got to the point where it was liable and he was, you know, it was, it was against the law. Um, uh, gotcha. so we, ca- yeah, we brought in an attorney in on that. So you have to just, the litmus test is, you know, where, where your boundaries are and and what's being said, what's true and what's not. And if it's a half truth or not, doesn't it kind of suck that we need to have these kind of things in place? It does. It does. Yeah. You just, you know, it's like, why can't people be civil? (laughs) You know, it's funny because I always say that we used to write communication or crisis plans for a year, you know, and think through every scenario that could possibly happen. And then it would go in a drawer and we'd never, we wouldn't look at it again until the following year when we updated it. And it was very rare that you had clients that had crisis because, unless it was a large corporation. But, you know, in the past, you had the Tylenol scare in the 80s. Um, you know, if, you, if you're running an oil organization, of course, there's going to be crisis. If, you know, you have a manufacturing plant that has chemicals in it, you, those kinds of places would be more apt to have a crisis. But today, any organization can have it because you, people are critical and they have a platform and it is scary that we have to have, we have to be thinking about these things. Yep. But the good news is, you know, if you, what, just to summarize some of what I hear you saying, and, and I'd love your thoughts on this as well, but if you can refrain from your instinct, mm-hmm. <laughs> which typically is to get defensive yep. and, and, and to say what you're really thinking and instead force yourself to be calm, yes. take a deep breath, be rational if necessary. Call in your PR agency yep. or your attorney, and and um, that is the wisdom, is it not? It is the wisdom. And if you really, really, really need to write something, write it and don't publish it. That's a very good, very good point. <laughs> it's kind of like back in college, you know, where you know this girl dumped me or whatever, and I wrote this nasty letter, and I just decided not to mail it, you know. And exactly. It was- <laughs> yeah. It doesn't do any good, but it made you feel better, didn't it? It does me good, but it doesn't exactly. do anyone else any good. That's for sure. <laughs> 
Well, Jeannie, I know on behalf of a lot of people listening right now that um, may have unfortunately been on the bad end of a crisis or likely will face one in the future and might come back to this podcast, and I'm sure that will happen. I just want to say thank you. Um, and I also want to ask, where can people discover more about your book, Spin Sucks, and your agency? SpinSucks.com is the best place. Everything's there. Awesome. Jeannie, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today. Oh my gosh, it was my pleasure. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview with Jeannie Dietrich. I know that this is one of those episodes that you may have to file away in your memory and re-reference if you know you ever have a problem. By the way, you can definitely reference all the show notes and all the links to everything we mentioned, including that cool calendar app by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash 93. Also, if you've been a regular listener to the show and you've not already done so, I would love it if you would consider giving me a rating and or a review on whatever platform you're on. The reason why I ask for that is because this is what allows the show to get seen and discovered by new people. And that's really the key to the growth of this podcast. You can do it on iTunes by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes and on Stitcher, socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher. Also, if you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, please email Emily at socialmediaexaminer.com. Emily at socialmediaexaminer.com. Well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.